Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger. On this episode, we're talking about the single most important factor when choosing a financial advisor. The single most important thing in a financial advisor relationship, there's been plenty of studies on this, is trust. How do you build trust if you're calling a call center and asking about really personal things like money? Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You know, every single week, we get emails from all of you asking about who should be managing my money. Who can I trust as a financial advisor? Where should I go? Well, you know, there's a lot of different people out there, but I stumbled upon an interesting company that's trying to occupy the space between the real high-end folks who charge a lot of money and the robo-advisors. The name of the company is Facet Wealth. And today we're joined by Brent Weiss. He is one of the co-founders and he's the head of planning and advisory operations for Facet. If this conversation arouses more questions for you, just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. And now here's our interview with Brent Weiss. You're listening to Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger. All right. We start with one very important question. Uh Best financial or career decision you've ever made? I got nervous there for a second. But that's the easiest question you will probably ask all day. And it was when I left my previous job and started Facet three years ago. It was it is it has turned out to be the single best thing that I've done personally and professionally. All right. Let's talk a little bit about you. You grew up in Baltimore, Baltimore, born and raised in the county, just to be clear, not the city, Baltimore County, but close enough. All right. Whatever. You're an athlete. You played baseball. I did at Notre Dame. Domer, Domer, Domer. What did you study there? Finance, actually. Really? But it's not what I do today. Well, what? so you studied finance. What'd you, what was your first job out of school? Actually, as a, uh, I'll say financial planner, but at a financial planning firm. Ah, so, so I, not I, like a big wire house. No, I, so I interviewed with all of them and I walked away and I said, it doesn't feel like me. I didn't know what it was at the time. I, it, look, it could have been, I was 22 years old and scared and didn't want to go to, to Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch. But I walked out of the interviews and just said, something doesn't feel right. So I actually left Notre Dame without a job, which was great. I spent three months at the beach down in Wilmington, North Carolina, and then said, okay, let me get my act together and started calling all of my contacts and ended up at an independent wealth management firm up in Baltimore. Okay. And then how long were you there? About 10 years. So you really learned financial planning, ground up, right? I, I did. I started in the back office doing investment reports and paperwork for clients and client service and all of that. I had a tremendous at the time boss who became my business partner very early on, uh, who invested a lot of time in me and said, look, what we do is financial planning. The investments will, will figure that out. Uh, and we had a great solution, but the planning was really where we focused a lot of our time. What was your sort of experience with dealing with these clients? Cause it's so emotional. I mean, we get calls from people every single week on this podcast some of them are heartbreaking. Some mm-hmm. of them you're like, oh, my God, you're a knucklehead. Why'd you do that? <laughs> so what was your experience in your 20s really confronting the emotions behind this? I would say the biggest professional mistake I made early on is I, I for some reason, thought it didn't make sense to build close personal relationships with the families I represented. That made it very difficult when those emotional moments came up. Well, you mean you did you do that to protect yourself? I figured if they became really good friends, that might be strange or awkward. Huh. And so, and this is this is not knowing what I know now. When I was 25 years old, sitting in front of a family who's 65 and their 65 you know, year old couple saying, "Brent, I'm retiring next year. 
what does this look like? And they're looking at a 25-year-old with no gray hair, really no facial hair, and going, is this the guy who can help me? Uh, the good news is I had the expertise. We had a great team there. What I realized over the next couple of years is building those personal relationships is the most important thing when it comes to, in my opinion, financial planning. Because they know that they can call somebody, whether things are going well, or frankly, if mom and dad are getting sick, and they can say, hey, Brent, here's what's going on. Can you help me? And you know them. And once you have that relationship, it actually becomes easy to handle the emotional mm. part of it. Mm. Uh, that, I know that sounds sort of counterintuitive, but once you know somebody on an intimate level, it just becomes part of the conversation. So what is it about the planning process that attracted you and kept you there for 10 years? I grew up with my grandparents. And I remember this day until he was 84 years old. My grandfather worked at uh, City Hall down in Baltimore. And he'd get up in the morning and have two pieces of toast and a coffee. And I'd sit there and just watch him in awe. And he'd come home with his, with his briefcase, put it on the table, write the bills. And then we'd have dinner until he was 84 years old. And I looked at that and said, we don't know anything about finances, but we work really hard to make sure that the people around us are cared for and protected and loved and going to a good school. And I started thinking, how do you make that happen more than just worrying about the end because we didn't have investments as a family when we were young. we didn't have the money to save i'll say we speaking of my, my my parents and my grandparents and so when i looked at it i didn't come from the investment background i saw i said to myself how do you make that kind of thing more affordable and accessible so you spend 10 years cfp some other designations <laughs> all that nonsense that we all do and so what led you to create Facet Wealth? Because you sound like you were happy. You were probably on the road to becoming a partner at this firm. That where I, they... well, I was already a partner. Oh, so they made you a partner, you a young guy. I was, I was a guy. partner at 27. And Making good money. If I gave these two opportunities to you, Jill, when I was 33 years old, and there was one that said, you're going to make the, the kind of money, relatively speaking, by the way, living in Baltimore, the kind of money where you'd never have to worry about finances really ever again. Right. And I don't, I don't live a lavish lifestyle. So this was the kind of, I was like, holy cow. And then on option number two, it was like, hey, this really amazing idea. We have no idea if it's going to work and it could fail. What would you do? The reason I could do it is because I had saved and had a, an emergency fund, a, a quite healthy one, knowing that I wanted some flexibility at some point in my career. Now, I had no plans of, of leaving, but I had built up the reserve. I had followed my own advice. The only advice I'll ever recommend to my clients are the things that I will do myself. And so when that opportunity came, I said, I can actually do this. So if a client came to me, I'm actually sitting down with a client of mine, former client of mine this week who said, I want to join a startup. Hmm. Now, he's married, two kids, one in college, one about to go to college. It's a different type of leap of faith that he has to take. And so he wants to pick my brain. What's it like? For me, the scary part was, what if this fails? Now, the, the story of it all is, I remember this looking, and this was Facet, where eventually I took, you know, jumped off the cliff, and we'll figure out how to build the plane as we're falling. I didn't actually know what I was going to do. I had a feeling, sort of this desire for greater impact when it came to financial planning. I was working with wealthy families. My family wasn't wealthy in the traditional sense. I woke up one morning, and I found this quote. The funny thing is, I can't find the quote, so I'm just going to start saying it's my quote. But it said, if you have a story, tell it. Because if you don't, someone else will and it won't be your story. And I remember waking up that morning and I said, I want this to be my story. Now, the cool thing is it's now our story at Facet of making planning more affordable and accessible to everyday Americans that, in my opinion, need it and deserve it. So this is three years ago this started. That's so correct. obviously you started planning for this prior to three years ago. So let's say four years ago-ish. What was missing from the investment advisory environment that you saw because at that time we have a bunch of robos mm -hmm. right so we have betterment we have wealthfront we have 
now Schwab and Vanguard, everyone into the in the pool, right? right. And then we have the types of firms that you worked for, which Correct. cater to well, well, I don't know. You tell me. I, I would think people who have more than a million bucks. What I, what I always make clear is I am a big fan of what CFP professionals and quality financial advisors do for families. Number one. So traditional RAAs, registered investment advisory firms, for those that aren't aware of it, uh, do excellent work for traditionally wealthier families. And we can say over a million dollars right. Right, of investable assets because right. that just becomes, it becomes a good, profitable business. We can do really great work for great families. When I looked at the landscape and I looked at my family, I said there are a lot of families out there like mine. So Winifred and, and uh, Leroy Schneider, my grandparents, Nanu and Pop, as I call them. And I said there are more Nanus and Pops out there that need this. And I saw three things. I saw a lack of access to it, affordability. I saw a lack of the right financial planning tools because robo-advisors are great in terms of lowering the cost of investing, creating greater access, but it's missing that planning piece for those that may be early on in their careers or those that are just starting. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I saw, and especially recently, is a lack of next generation advisory talent, diversity to create more access. And now I will tell you this, this wasn't my great epiphany and said, hey, I'm going to go create Facet. I got lucky and was very blessed to get introduced to Anders Jones, who's now our CEO and also a co-founder. And he pinged me. The funny thing is I ignored his email at first. But luckily he emailed me again and said, hey, just want to make sure you didn't miss this. Anders Jones. Anders Jones. Okay. And what was his background? So Anders is a technology entrepreneur out of the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a Stanford guy. Mm-hmm. He pinged me and said, I'm looking to just interview some financial advisors about this idea. I said, I'll give you 30 minutes. We sat down at, a, at, a, at T-Volve, a little cafe down in Baltimore City, for what I thought was going to be 30 minutes. Because what, what does a VC guy want with this, this little old financial advisor in Baltimore? I said, hey, Brent, what if we could use technology to lower the cost of high-quality planning and make it more affordable? And I said, holy cow, like, let me tell you what I've been thinking about for five years. Five hours later, we're still sitting at the cafe and the waitress comes up and says, like, you have to order more food or tip me really well. Yeah, you have exactly. To leave. <laughs> Here, take this. All right. So now you've got a partner who really can build the technology. It sounds to me like what you're trying to do is take this experience that you had of mm-hmm. working with a high end investment advisor right. and bring it to more of the masses. So what is it about the technology that allows you to deliver this kind of service to individuals? The whole idea is how do you take that two or five million dollar client experience and make it more affordable and accessible to a to a family with a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars or frankly less potentially. Right. And the key when we when we started sort of peeling back the layers, realized it's just a lot of inefficiency. So how do you use technology to improve efficiency and productivity? Really, it's a time. It's a function of time. I think the the math is only about 15% of an advisor's time is spent in front of a client. And I said, what if you could make that 85 or 90% and you had technology that could actually provide recommendations that do some of the analysis, things that existing technology doesn't do. It'll give you an output if you put in some, some input, some numbers. It'll say, here's what you'll have in 30 years. It doesn't look and say, hey, how do we start making better recommendations and better advice? And that's what FACET has done with the technology, which is really improve the advice side of it. This is Jill on Money. Hey, gang, it's me, Jill Schlesinger. You know that. You're listening to The Pod, certified financial planner, CBS News business analyst, host of this here podcast, Jill on Money. And I am here to tell you about our sponsor, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. They're helping people achieve financial well-being with simple and transparent banking products 
including Clarity Money. That's a free personal finance management app that's part of the Marcus family. Clarity Money is your AI-powered financial champion that shows you a simple view of your finances together in one place. They recently launched a weekly budgeting feature that you've just got to try. The app does the hard part for you and calculates your average weekly spend by category. You can take that information so you can set informed budget goals based on what matters most to you. You can also subscribe to budget alerts to help keep you on track and start with a clean slate every week. Who doesn't want that? It's super easy to use and can make a task like budgeting kind of fun. So go check it out. Download Clarity Money through Google Play or iTunes or visit Marcus.com forward slash Clarity. And now back to our interview with Brent Weiss. So right now, a facet advisor can be all over the country. Mm -hmm. Correct. Not your employee or do they use? they They are W2 employees. One of the things we we looked at, too, when we started this business is we said, not only is there a new way of doing financial planning for everyday families, but number two is, is there a new... So I mentioned earlier the lack of next generation talent. One of the things you have to do to create sort of interest for next generation talent is to create a profession and a career that's really exciting. And we said, what is the job that we would want? And we said, what if you were a CFP professional but didn't have to sell or build a book of business? Well, how do you get that? Everyone wants that. Well, it's, and we have it at Facet. So what we do is we we find the families that need, want, and deserve help, and we bring them to Facet, and then we pair them with the best CFP professional that makes sense for them. We have CFPs with uh, different ages, different experiences, different areas of expertise, and one of them worked in particular at USAA. So if a military family comes in, we can say, we have a really excellent solution to make sure we're giving you the best advice. In an accessible way. How many CFPs do you have right now? So we have 22 CFPs and we're hiring about five or 10 a month. Get out. So if you're a CFP professional and want what my opinion is, drinking the Kool-Aid here, a really amazing career opportunity, call me, email me. That's let's, amazing. Let's talk. Hold on. Mark wants a job. Mark want, Mark is asking me a question in my ear and he says, so these CFPs, they're, they are only working for Facet. They're not That's doing correct. other side business. That's, Everything runs through Facet. So once I'm, let's just play, I'm Jill Schlesinger. I'm a CFP. I live in New York. I give up my whole media world and I become a Facet employee. Yes. Okay. So now take me through the experience. What happens first is that you're going to give me the technology I need to create financial plans? Yes. We have a proprietary platform that our CFPs can plug into. So as long as you have a laptop with a video camera, because we do all of our meetings via video conference with our clients, which frankly, by the way, is a preferred method for most of our clients who are busy and have kids that are running around, life happens. The flexibility is there to create that work-life balance that I know is so important to, to me, frankly, but also to a lot of financial advisors. So you've got the the tools for the advisor to create the beautiful plans, and mm-hmm. and obviously they can customize stuff because people sure, all people are different. What is the investment component of it? Are you also managing the investments, or is this just planning? We do manage assets, but we're planning first. So everything starts with a plan. Even if someone comes in and says, "Hey, will you manage my IRA?" We'll say, well, why are we managing it? What's the goal? So we always start with the planning. One thing that's unique about our business, too, is we don't charge based upon the assets we manage. It's a flat fee. How much? So it starts at $40 per month. And it's always a monthly? It can be monthly or quarterly. I mean, what we do is basically say, hey, what's the annual fee? And then we break it down and say, what's the most accessible or affordable way for a family to pay for it? And then we personalize the the services 
based upon complexity and really their goals. And then we, so we start with the planning. Yep. And then we say if we, if there are assets to manage, of course we'll manage. But we don't charge for managing the assets. I just wait think a that- minute. Stop. That's so fascinating. So let's go back in time now. And so you're my advisor. I'm now Jill, the client. And I say, okay, I just left CBS and there's $400,000 in my 401k. I want you to manage it. And you say to me, "Eh -eh, you got to have a plan, right? So I go through the planning process. Let's just say it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. It's 40 bucks a month, but it could go, it could be more. Yes. Okay. It it could. So let's just say, I don't know, let's call it a hundred bucks a month. Okay. And now uh, you, you you go through everything, and, and now I want you to manage my money. Mm-hmm. Now what happens? What what physically happens? So if, if it's in the case of the 401k, we'll set up an IRA. We'll complete the rollover. We will help in every step of that process. Where do you clear the business through? So we're on all major custodial platforms. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so that's just to make it easier for clients. We, we have clients that come to us that already have assets at those custodians, and yep. so we make it very easy to keep them there. Jill, you probably know this. I mean, you are a CFP. Getting money out of a 401k can be a royal pain in the in the rear end. Yeah. And so we want to help our clients make that easy, get it over. Now, when we manage the assets, the fee doesn't change just because we're managing assets. So whether you're managing, we're just managing $50,000 or 500000 the fee's not going to change just because your account balance goes up. Okay. This is kind of a fascinating, really different part of your business. If there is no incentive for the CF, the facet CFP to get money to move over. So mm-hmm. that whole sales friction that exists that many clients recoil, they hate that part of it, mm-hmm. it really doesn't exist. I mean, you might say to me as my advisor, you know what, CBS's 401k is a fantastic plan. Absolutely. Leave it there. And so there's really no incentive for your CFPs to move money. Is that correct? Uh, 100% correct. When we looked at starting this business and said, hey, what's what's a career opportunity that CFPs would love? We also said, how do we build a business based upon the fiduciary standard saying, let's just build it the right way. I actually did, a, did an interview the other week and, and someone asked, is it harder to run the business being a fiduciary? And I said, absolutely not, because there's no other way to run a business. And so our CFPs can come in and give the best advice to the client because it doesn't matter for managing the assets or it stays in the 401k because it's a great solution for them. It really removes the conflict of interest. And so when we go to our clients and say, hey, Jill, here's a recommendation I'm making. By the way, it doesn't affect my compensation. I don't get paid. It doesn't affect your fee. But this is what I believe is best. As as the consumer or the client, I'm going, that makes a ton of sense. Let's do that. So this is a very crowded field. How are you going to compete in such a crowded field? Because we have Schwab and we have Vanguard going Mm -hmm. into advising. We have the betterments of the world adding the advice component. What makes FACET distinct and unique among the big field? First of all, I'll go back to our mission, which which sounds pretty simple, but it's hard to execute on, which is just to make high-quality financial advice through a dedicated CFP professional more affordable and accessible to everyday families. Now, number one, I would say, I don't know of another company that came out with that mission. There are large firms. And look, I give Vanguard credit for starting the index fad years and years and years ago. I use it. I own Vanguard in my own portfolio. But when we think about what is real financial planning, like how do you define it? What you find in a lot of these cases, we actually have clients leaving those firms coming to Facet because they're saying, number one, my advisor is not proactive. Number two, I get a call center. And number three, they talk about retirement planning because it's all about, remember, the incentive there is to manage the assets. assets. And so when we step in, and you're right, Jill, it it can be a difficult conversation because investing is more tangible. Mm -hmm. They can like, even though you can't touch your IRA, you can see it, right? You can see it going up. You can see it going down. You can check Bitcoin, whatever the heck it is that you're you're looking at. 
financial planning becomes this, this more intangible, nebulous thing. But when you show families the empowering impact of it, when you go to them and say, you deserve this, and this is how you create better habits financially, which is the foundation. It starts with the financial identity. And Jill, you, you, you probably know this as a CFP. There's a big difference between someone saying, I am saving versus I am a saver. Because then you have a foundation. Then you can layer on the education literacy piece. Then you bring in financial life planning. And then if you do really create some wealth for yourself, then you bring in the wealth management, the complexities of it. So what we do is just financial planning. It is true, comprehensive, personalized advice with a dedicated CFP. It's not a call center because that's what families deserve. Right. I think it's interesting because the dedicated part is something that a lot of the Mm -hmm. big firms can't give you. And also, I presume that you guys are vetting the CFPs that come in in a different way than if Vanguard has to hire 400 CFPs. (laughs) They're like, let's go. How do you vet the CFPs that, that come into FACET? So first of all, if you have the CFP designation, we clearly know you're a competent individual and you care about planning to some extent. Right. And then we and then we go through and we talk about, we actually have people do case studies. How do you think about planning? So the best part of my job is I get to come in at the end and I don't talk about planning. I don't talk about technical skills. I literally ask them, I want you to write me a personal mission statement and I want you to write down five or 10 words that define your core values. And I'm like, tell me your story in words. Because for us, the CFPs that we hire They care about the families that they serve. They just want to be excellent practitioners, and they believe in the mission that we have at FACET. And if you check those boxes, in 99% of those cases, that's going to be a great fit for FACET. I think this is a great great resource because oftentimes when people call the show, they're saying, I don't want to do a robo. I really want a plan. And we'll say, oh, Mm -hmm. you need to go to NAPFA, to a fee-only planner. Mm -hmm which actually you don't need to be a fee-only planner if you're not worried about gathering assets. The reason why we tend to tend to look to NAPFA folks is that Mm -hmm. we're scared that callers are going to be sold something they don't need, right? Absolutely. So what I think is interesting is that I can say to a caller, hey, Brent's firm, go to Facet Wealth. You can get a financial plan. You know, maybe you've got some debt. Maybe you've Mm -hmm. got a few shekels doesn't really matter but for your first year at the very least you're going to pay 500 bucks Mm -hmm. even if you don't transfer anything over and you're going to be pretty cool and that's a nice way to start and also grow a client base i imagine one of the challenges with traditional financial planning jill you make a great point is someone sits down with you as a cfp and they say i need financial planning go well you need everything here's 75 things to do and families are overwhelmed and they don't do anything about it because they're going, I'm busy and the kids and the job and life and, and all of this. And so what we say is, let's just figure out what's most important today and what you can do in the next six or 12 months to get you started. Yeah, I think that's brilliant because my first financial plan, it was like the Harvard case study of a person's finances. And you could see the customer, the client start to glaze over by page mm-hmm. eight or nine. And we would have like 110 pages. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was also, by the way, we were insecure and young, and so Mm -hmm. we wanted to prove that we were really smart. So we did these huge plans. And by the time I left, we were down to a six-page plan with one of those pages being like, here are the three most important things to do. Here's the next three most important. So I think that that's the guidance that people are seeking Mm -hmm. and and the confidence that they have. I think the, the other part that's quite smart about the model is having the same person. I think that dedicated advisor, because then, as you said, like, you know, you build a relationship Mm -hmm. and there's a trust. And also, if I don't have a relationship, just from a business perspective, I don't have a relationship with anyone, then it's just as easy for me to leave as it was to come in. 
the single most important thing in a financial advisor relationship, there's been plenty of studies on this, Jill, is trust. How do you build trust if you're calling a call center and asking about really personal things like money? Mm. I mean, money is the number one cause of stress and anxiety in this country. Do you want to call 1-800 and talk to someone you haven't spoken to before when you do it? So when we looked at this model and we said, we will never waver from that. That is something that's so critically important. And I'll mention Nanu and Pop again, my grandparents. I always look at it, and I say this jokingly, is that the Nanus and Pops of the world deserve someone they know and they trust that they can call who knows them and their family and their situation and can give them just real quality financial planning advice. You know who that used to be until they decided to just abandon? That used to be your local banker. That local banker would be the one who was like, wrote the mortgage, Mm -hmm. helped you with your savings, told you what to do, and then they just turned their backs. And it's uh, great to see that someone is filling the void. So before we let you leave, I will ask you, we started with what's the best career decision you made, and you said that was three years ago. I joined Facet Wealth. What's the worst career or financial decision you've made? So I'm going to go with financial because I've been a financial planner from day one. So I can't really say I made bad decisions. The worst financial decision, this is funny. When I was 18 years old, I remember I had an argument with my grandmother and I said, I know everything. I know, I know what the world has. And she looked <laughs> at me because you know, nothing kid. And what I've realized is I know nothing. And so the, the worst financial decision I ever made was buying a house thinking this is my 30 year home. Cause a house, by the way, is not cheap. And I said, this is my forever home. And then all of a sudden I started facet. And now I'm traveling all over the country, spreading the word as a chief evangelist. And I said, I had no idea what life has in store. So if there's any, any tips coming out of this is you never know all the answers. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can start a plan today, but it should be flexible and it should be ready to understand that life is going to come at you pretty fast. Um, and that's the biggest financial decision or financial mistake that I made uh, in my younger life. You're listening to Jill on Money. Okay, it's time for the Marcus Minute. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Today in the hot seat, we have the very exciting Brent Weiss from Facet Wealth. Okay, Brent, are you ready to play? Uh, ready as I will ever be. What's one word to describe your relationship with money? Oh, these are, uh, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to go with healthy. What's always worth spending on? Life experiences. What's the dumbest thing you've spent money on? A whole ski set because I thought I was going to become a skier and I went and instead of renting, I bought the whole darn thing and I've used it once. How much do you spend on a haircut? <laughs> I'm getting personal here. Uh, th- so this has changed. I used to cut my hair for uh, the last 10 years. I think I heard the CEO of JetBlue say he cuts his own hair. I spend between 30 and $40. Maybe I should spend more given my hair here. I'm not sure. It's your last day on earth. You've got 100 bucks in your pocket. What's your last meal? Oh, this is easy. I'm a Baltimore guy, so it would be steamed crabs with Old Bay, cold beer, and good friends. That sounds great. Brent Weiss, he's the co-founder and chief evangelist at Facet Wealth. Thank you for joining us. Jill, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Brent Weiss. Don't forget, we drop new episodes of Jill on Money every Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll often throw a little bonus episode in there for you, too. If you don't want to miss a single episode, just subscribe. You can do that anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Radio.com, Google Play, wherever. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13, and the show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. See you next week.